Happy Monday, Combo Nation. We are here. Let me know how you're feeling. Let me know your biggest takeaways from NBA Free Agency right in the comments section, wherever you tune in to this show. You know you can catch me on Twitter at Combos Court. Same name as the podcast on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. And welcome to episode 488 of Combos Court. And you know who it is. I am Combo. Today's show, Coach Nick and myself discuss where Lillard may land, other free agency topics, and so much more. Go subscribe to B-Ball Breakdown on YouTube. Let's get into it. Hey, sports fans. Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show coming at you on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, depending on where you are. As always, I'm joined by Andrew Combo Salop to discuss all the things going on with free agency and trades and whatnot and announcements. Uh, lots to go through. It was a pretty insane Thursday afternoon, uh, and as Twitter went down yesterday, it didn't help anything. But uh, I think we've got been able to catch up on everything and figure out what's happening. And uh, without Combo with me, I don't know how I would do this. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Combo. Thank you for having me, Coach Nick. Always appreciate you opening your platform up to me. Um, it's always great talking basketball with you, Ed. You know, I recorded a podcast. I think it was Friday morning, and then by Saturday, there was like a thousand moves that went down. So oh, it's yeah. been a t- it's been a tough time for the uh, content creators. Yeah, well, lots of um, you know, the CBA had changed a little bit, and there's some different uh, uh, management ideas for how you want to do your salary cap. Uh, I think we need to talk about the big news of yesterday today, which is that Damian Lillard is now formally requested a trade. Um, I think 2019 is calling and wanting its question or its demand uh, back because that's when it should have happened probably maybe 2020 um but here we are dame lillard is now finally formally requesting to get out of uh, portland he's given it the old college try it hasn't worked i don't blame him i think it's time i think he probably tried to get out of it with uh, without ever having to do this and not be the quote-unquote bad guy but either way i don't think anyone's gonna be mad they probably get it it's time for you know both sides to find uh, some greener pastures yeah, I tweeted not too long ago that I thought Dre would stay and Dame would leave. And I don't know. I have a theory. You know Dame better than me. I don't know. I just feel like they probably talked about this a while ago already, but they didn't want to let the cat out the bag because you lose, you lose leverage in that way. Yeah, that's interesting. Right. I mean, he didn't have a trade, a no trade clause like Bradley Beal. So he was never going to be in a situation where he could completely dictate. And Woj just reported that, too, where they're they're feeling all offers from every team. And so they can ship him to wherever they want. And uh, Dave might not be happy with that. Obviously, he wants Miami. Uh, and we have to discuss, you know, what would be the best fit for him, no matter what, you know, the, however, the, the trade would stack up. But, um, you know, he can't demand that. Um you know, he's under contract long enough. You know what? I didn't even check. Do, did we check his contract uh, recently? How many more years does he have? I'm Now I'm forgetting. Let me look. Unless you know. Here it is. It is. Um, he's under. Oh, he's under contract for uh, four more years. So it's not like he's going to th- threaten he's going to leave. His contract expires. So he doesn't have a lot of leverage. And any team would be would love to have him, especially small markets, uh, for four years, whatever cost it is. Yeah, and I think with him, he has even less leverage because he's not one of his, those guys that'll, you know, when he's with the team, he's not going to force his way out for the most part, right? I mean, so some guys, if they have four years left on their contract, it doesn't even matter. They could still say, like, I'm out of here anyway, right? Like, 
Um, you know, you saw what happened with James Harden with the Rockets. Like he was, he wasn't even playing hard before he yeah, went to the Nets. You know, and, and that's not a Dame thing. So yeah, I think yeah, you're right about the leverage. Right, right. right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, if if the only way you'd be able to do that is yeah, is you just stop giving a, uh, a crap and not playing hard. Yeah, Dame would never be able to do that. So that right, won't. Right. He's going to play hard. He's going to do his all. He's going to raise the ceiling for whoever he goes to play with. So. Uh, you know, let's let's put Miami aside for a second and discuss. I was trying to get out of the box here and figure out other teams because obviously uh, for for him, you know, it would probably want to be someone who had made the playoffs last year. Right. Like that seems to be a thing. Let, let's let him get to a team that's good that he'll really elevate, and maybe get to like the next level uh, versus uh, the bottom dwellers. So, so at that point, if you limit those teams, um, you know, my first thought was like, what about like a team like, you know, uh, the Bucks? Interesting. My first thought would be the Sixers, since James Harden is out of there and they could put together an interesting trade package for him. True, true. Um, uh, what do you what 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 do you what do you like about the Bucks? Well, the the real problem, I think, just put a, a real quick pin in that first uh, option to go to Philly is I just don't know why the Blazers would do that. Right. They, they're not they're not going to want Harden back. I think that's the issue there. And it's a real question of what the Blazers want to do. They've never really wanted to tear it down and, and just, you know, tank and get a high draft pick. Right. Um, they've always. And by the way, we, we forget, like Dame has gone to two Western Conference finals as underdogs, like, you know, it, it surprises. They've been able to fashion teams that have won and gone deeper in the playoffs than a lot of other players. So. Um, I would imagine that's what they want to continue to do. They signed Jeremy Grant, which is interesting. The the timing here. Do you see anything interesting about that? Where the, the, as soon as they sign Jeremy Grant, there's a request for a trade. No, because from what I just discussed with you about a minute ago, I feel like the team and him came to this agreement for a while now, and they just wanted to go into negotiations with a mindset of having more leverage that we'll go through this season with Dane, right? If you're not going to give us a great enough trade package, we're just going to continue. So I think both sides knew at the end of the day. And I think it had nothing to do with that. I thought that was just like random coincidence. Okay. Interesting. I mean, that's very well possible. I I, I won't, uh, you know, I, it's hard to look too much into that with the, the conspiracy eye, but I thought it was well, since that was he expecting something of a bigger uh, free agency signing splash for them? Like somebody, you know, a big, I, I don't, I'm trying to figure who it would have been uh, to play alongside him that was available. And I don't know, but um so, yeah, I don't know if that worked. If that was it, oh, my God, they're going to go back. They're, they're running it back. I got to get out of here. I, I doubt that that's sort of it. Yeah, I mean, I think there was discussions of giving up the number three pick, right, to in a trade for somebody. But I didn't know exactly who that person was. I don't know what the rumors were, but it never really seemed realistic. I think they wanted to keep Scoot or whoever they got with that third pick. For sure, for sure. All right, well, let's let, let me talk about the Bucks for a second because – you know, what, I, what I've been trying to say for a while is that, like, Harden needed to go to the Bucks before he went to Brooklyn. I thought that would have been a good move because, for me, Giannis needs that kind of a player. That that seems to be the, what they've been missing. I love Drew Holiday, and I really like Chris Middleton. I think that, that works pretty well. They got into the final. They won a title with that. But I do feel like um, if they had a more dynamic guard, a uh, more aggressive ball handling, you know, uh, scoring guard, that might kind of be a nice balance uh, alongside Middleton and, and – uh, and Giannis and you know Drew Holiday isn't that far off I mean he makes he's under contract for two more years he makes you know around 37 million across those two years so that's getting into the realm of like you know when you do a trade like that they have to match somewhat uh that that could work what what, what do you think about that as a as a as a threesome that's not the right word but you know as a trio I like it because I feel like even though they they have changed coaches and I feel the same way with the heat like the culture is set 
for lack of a better term. It's not like the Suns where you're just all guys together and you're name chasing. Like, right. I think I think having culture set is so important when you're bringing in a big name, not just relying solely on having this new player. So, yeah, I, I do like it because they're already good without him. You add him in, I mean, I think they could be great. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that that would be something I, w- I would be uh, really interested in looking at or, or, or seeing that I don't I haven't heard anything about the Bucks. I would imagine they would be ecstatic to go there. Um, and so that would be interesting because the Bucks haven't really made much of a splash. I kind of think, let me look real quick. Uh, right. I didn't hear anything about them. Uh, let's see. I here. mean, I, Brooke might be on the move, right? That's what oh, I've been sorry, hearing. Sorry. The most. Okay. Of course I did. Chris Middleton signed. That was important. I, again, I, he is one of those game changers where at his size, he can play defense. He can handle the ball. He can be a lead scorer for them, which he's been, uh, that's great. It looks like they also signed Brooke Lopez, um, as well. I missed that, but I'm seeing it on the, on the sport track. So I guess that happened. Um, and then, uh, interestingly, they, oh, he's not listed. So, okay. And they lost Javon Carter. So that's, yeah, another issue. So they, they need to find somebody there. So the Bucks got to get busy. Yeah. And I think, um, Middleton's going to come back with a vengeance. He has, he wasn't quite himself in the regular season or the playoffs. And, you know, he was coming off an injury. He has a full off season. So I think he's going to have a great season next year. It sounds good to me. He needs to remind everybody of uh, what what he is. Uh, but then again, yeah. he's also getting older and he's breaking down. And that's maybe because of the overuse that they rely on him a little bit too much. Um, you know, because Giannis is, you know, will tend to get into that, you know, that's 90s center mode where he's ball screening and he's rolling and he, you know, posts up a little bit. But he, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily create the shots and isn't the, the main ball handler. And that, you know, can wear out a guy like Chris Middleton, who does a lot of that uh, in, in a very impressive way. Uh, not, I want to make uh, sure everyone remembers if you want to ask any questions and you will, uh, and you get them on the screen, then a super chat is the way to go on, on YouTube. It really helps us keep the show going and uh, we'll give you a lot of love, a lot of hype, and we'll really appreciate it if you can. And by the way, I didn't even, as I started to say that before it even happened or no, after I started saying this, our first super chat just came in. What, what do you know? Oh, wow. I guess we're on the same page here with uh, DTG. So let's throw that up there on the screen. Thank you so much, CDG. This this might be your first super chat. I don't see it as a little thing, but either way, thank you. It's very generous. We really, really appreciate it. Um, and they ask, it's a sad weekend for Portland fans. From an outside observer's perspective, it's hard to know how much Dame means to this town and community. This may indeed be for the best, but it still stings. I mean, you know, this happened with Bill Walton, too, who was beloved and then ultimately left in, under a cloud of uh, accusations about the medical staff and his feet. Um, which might have been actually easier for the plans to kind of, you know, because of all that swirling around, they could sort of, you know, put him, let him go. This is right. There, there have, have there ever been like, who are the other players at this level um, that have meant so much to a city? Reggie Miller, Patrick Ewing, Carmelo, John Stockton. Well, Clyde Drexler, Clyde Drexler was pretty important in Portland. You know, I, I feel like the, the biggest one. Michael Jordan. Yeah, I would say Michael Jordan probably. I right? mean, I mean Michael. It's, that's like, I yeah, mean, it's to the Jordan, point where you know? like they've they've struggled to I, really re, to do want, anything after that shadow. I wanted to give you some deep cuts, you know. I mean, Michael Jordan. Thank you, easy. thank you. I needed yeah. to slide that no look passive. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but but man, you were ready. You had that list ready to go. That was impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, and by the way, that's right. The, the, that list is long. And uh, and Clyde Drexler probably was the last Portland Blazer, I guess, to do that. Because remember, even like you know, it was it was kind of bad when Lamar uh, Marcus Aldridge left, right? They they really didn't uh, were not happy that he wanted out of there and he was, didn't seem loyal to the city. Um, and this is going to be different. This is obviously going to be a sad, but not anger. We can't forget about Brandon Roy. The injuries, though. Ooh, that was and that was sad for another reason. Yeah, yeah. he's another one, and yeah, for sure. Um, 
yeah, th- th- these players mean a lot, especially to small market teams. They are, they are, th- that's probably why a lot of team players don't leave because they are so important to the community and they, and you can feel that. And then it's a privilege and it's a, uh, it's probably a nice, a, a nice thing to be able to have when you're walking around. So, uh, but you know, we know that Dame wants to win and that's really going to be important. And it's clear that they're not going to win a title in Portland the way this is going. I mean, this is not a hot take, but players don't stay in there on their team for years like they used to, right? It's like I, a lot of those players I named were like older guys, like from like the 90s. Like it doesn't happen right. as much. We see we see with obviously Russell Westbrook and KD and Harden and Kyrie. I mean, these guys are jumping around, man. So it's I mean, actually, Steph is a great one. Steph is a great one. Steph, yeah, Steph's another yeah. one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're, they're there. They're around. I'm yeah. sure we can see a couple more that are playing right now um, if we think about it hard. But Yo- you know, Jokic, Jokic will be that. He will be that, sure. I think. Yeah. Now, the other thing about that, you mentioned four players who have bounced around, and we, we rarely see players at that caliber, MVP caliber, bounce around teams so often, two, three teams in four years, that kind of thing. Um, but is it is it coincidence? that they've all played together it's crazy you know you know what i mean i mean i think a lot of this did start with braun didn't he set the table for all this so well you know that's interesting because at least lebron you know he he gave the seven years uh, straight and you know let, try to give him a chance to build something that wasn't working and then he bailed for miami um and I suppose, yeah, you know, with the with the well, it didn't really work out that way for OKC because they had three of the guys on one team, right? Can you imagine, like, they just sort of gotten to year five? I, I think they had made a finals. That was something they had. Serge Ibaka, young. They had uh, Reggie Jackson, young. They had a lot of good complementary pieces that should have been a title team, no question. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if LeBron's at the table for this one. This feels a little bit different, and maybe, but but maybe not. I don't know. It's interesting. That, that doesn't seem to like drive in my mind. This is the same, but I do feel like it's interesting that three players started out together, and then three, yep, three another version of three with Kyrie, KD, and Harden were together for maybe what 50, 60 games over a course of a year and a half or whatever. Um, you know, it's it's weird, it, and it seems like it's it, it, it's it's the players they want to leave the capitalism at its best. But they, they're the ones who don't want to or maybe I don't know if it's patience. Are they lacking patience or or are they looking around at the at the they made a decision? They realized, man, this is not a well-run organization. Uh, I can't quite put my finger on it. Do you have an idea for what what's going on behind that? I mean, I think it's the times that we're in. And I think, you know, the other star players saw what Bron did. I'm not going to put it all on Bron, but. It's like social contagion in a way. Like you see what your friends are doing. That's not quite the example of social contagion, but you see what your peers are doing and Mm -hmm. it's more normalized once one person does it, then two people do it. Then you're like, oh, like we could do this. Like it's not as big of a deal as it used to be. You know, like, like if Michael Jordan would have done it out of nowhere, you're like, that would have been crazy. Right. But LeBron James did it. So it normalized it for everybody else. Well, you know, for me, like on, on my politics pod, um, we talk a lot about personality and like what, how, what, how your personality ends up shaping, like what, you know, uh, political side you're going to be on. Really? Uh, how, how so? I would love to hear that. Well, um, <laughs> there's a certain personality, like, like for instance, and, and by the way, if you want to listen to my political podcast, if you're, you know, MAGA or anything, it probably wouldn't be for you. But um, the idea being that um, 
there's a certain mindset. Uh, well, part of it would be, I suppose, uh, the really evangelicals who are already kind of conditioned to believe a lot of fantastical things sort of tend to side with the right and their kind of fantastical lies and stuff like that that get them to follow uh, in the name of religion and stuff. That's part of it. Um, I do think that... Um, you know, even voting in your, in, in, not in your best interest in order to like sort of maybe like dunk on another, um, you know, class of people that makes you feel better that way. That's interesting. Uh, you know, then there's a mindset and a personality related to that. And so for me, it almost feels like if you want to pull this back over to the other side, where we're talking about Kyrie and KD and, and Harden and like Russ, you know, there might be something there in terms of like they're never sort of settled. They're never sort of, you know, um, have a peace of mind. Uh, about yeah. whatever, you know, in some way. And Gra so, grass, is, grass is always greener, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there's always something in there where, like, you know, like Michael Jordan was so was such a killer, and no matter what kind of criticism he got, it never would have affected him, ever, you know? Not that there's even a, a, the best thing of all time. It's probably good to have, have some self-reflection. But um, I do want to... Wait, wait, wait. So, yeah. wait, so you're, saying, you're saying basically there's some passive aggression. No. Toward, toward, towards towards like like towards your own fan base and towards your own organization like i could leave here like oh okay to me it's more like oversensitivity almost like they're just so sensitive uh, to the point where it's it it, it you know you get so, um gosh i i needed to so, think so you so you so you don't think it's like i'll show i'll show you i'll leave I mean, yeah, and that, that also is uh, is like maybe the eight-year-old, I'm going to take my ball and go home kind of thing, too. That, that, that's that's passive aggression, wouldn't you say? Yeah, okay. So, that, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there could be that part of it. And just sort of a, you know, um, an agitat, like a little bit of a, a stress that could kind of be forever involved in, in, in your decisions versus the guys that are just like, they don't, you know. And I, listen, I suffer from this, too. It's like some guys, I always, I always um, I admire the guys that block all of that out and have such supreme confidence and they know exactly where they are at all times and that nothing like that will affect them. Uh, and I do feel like that that kind of mindset probably, you know, might end up keeping you, you know, in place and saying, well, we're going to make this work in a way that like Damian Lillard sort of has that, right? And, it, you know, and at this point, what, he's 10 years in, right? This is not like he's just jumping from team to team. Um, and again, he might not even be traded at this point. We'll see. Did I get that right with 10 years? Let me see here. Uh, yeah. you know, you know, I mean, you know, human, it's human nature to see or think well, about negative. It's, it's human nature to think or see about negative comments more than positive ones, because, you know, way back when, when we were hunter gatherers during that time, not to go on a crazy tangent, but you would have to look for that to keep yourself safe and to live, to survive for the evolution of our species. So it's the same thing now, but it's just not as dangerous, but that's what we, it kind of sticks in our mind more, you know? Interesting. Yeah. And so as a result, if you can identify those kind of traits in someone, then, you know, that might, it's that factor yeah. into whether you want to sign them or not or draft them. Right. Those are the kind of things that I would probably be. And I'm sure they kind of look at those things. Now that said, would you ever not sign KD because you're afraid he's going to leave? Well, actually, maybe now after, you know, some injuries and he's getting to the end of his career, but like you couldn't do that, you know, early on, right? You'd have to get it signed in no matter what and, and hope you can make it work. Um, but that's the interesting uh, thing here, because could you get find someone who uh, is 75 percent of KD costs 50 percent less and will be there for 10 years, you know, and, and that kind of thing. That's another interesting it thing. Could, might not even fit with his teammates better. It, it could be Mikel Bridges. What you just, right. just described. You know what I mean? That's exactly <laughs> the point. So, Mikhail Bridges might give you 75% of KD. 
And, you know, because and maybe even more on defensive end for longer. We'll see. I don't know. But, like, imagine that. And, may, and maybe Mikael Bridges is going to be so thankful to the uh, the, the um, Nets for giving him the opportunity and getting him and whatever. You know, he's not going to leave. And he feels or, – or I think the point is not even that he's grateful, that he's more comfortable in his skin, you know. Another yeah, I, I totally agree. And another thing is is that like the middle of the road basketball player in the NBA is just better than ever before. So obviously you need stars to win, but it's not as much of a gap anymore. You know, right. there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that can sneak into an all-star game these days. And I think so there was a tweet going around about expansion. And I mean, if they added two teams, I don't think it would do anything to the um talent of the league. I don't think there'd be a fall off. Well, we're not, I don't know if we're quite ready for that, but we will be. There's no question we will be at some point. The, the 12th player on like the worst team is going to be so good uh, that will, you know, I, I guess the result of that will be a lot more parody. Now, we did see a lot of parody in the Western Conference last year, right? Like the, the Nuggets won the, the, um, the West, but they didn't win. They won 53 games, right? Now, a lot of it, I had to kind of pull apart the injury issue with that. But it might be uh, sort of pointing towards something where we're going to have those teams, you know, be so even with each other that no one's going to get more than the 50, 53 wins, you know, and that's good for the league. I like that. Uh, and then they ultimately win the whole damn thing. Right. Isn't that amazing? That's probably the lowest win total uh, by a champion. I haven't seen that stat. Maybe somebody in the comments will look that up for me real quick. But that's um, really fascinating to me. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? Do you think that's better for the league than having a dynasty? Um, I, yeah, I'm kind of that guy. I, I think it's nice to have parody. Like we, we, we can talk about Jeff Van Gundy for a second and the same idea where, you know, Jeff Van Gundy had been there for how many years? 15, 20. It's like at some point, I think maybe, yeah, let, let someone else have a turn. Let have, let's have some, you know, a, a chance to do that. And so in my mind, like the dynasties mean that you're going to have a whole bunch of players and the whole generation never get a shot. To, I, I see, like, let's get them a chance. To bring this full circle though, some of the reasons for, the layoffs in Bristol might have been because the ratings weren't as high in the NBA, right? Oh, and may and maybe that could be because of the parody. No, I mean this was so I to like bring it full circle here. Yeah, I mean I don't know. Disney owns it, and and so they had a lot of problems with their like movies recently. So I've seen a lot oh, of curious okay. about that uh, because those losses are really I think magnified compared to like oh a little bit here and there in the NBA that's cute you know compared to like whatever they're doing in, in Hollywood but but yeah i mean listen you, you to justify those salaries you got to have the ratings you got to be able to you know charge and we talked about this before briefly like uh, the, some of the commercials i was seeing during some of the national you know uh, uh, games and i i you know what I, I can't remember if they're all if it was espn or tnt but either way it's kind of reflective of both um, some of those commercials were not the kind of high-end commercials you'd expect to see if the ratings were as high as you thought they were. And they, they, we know that they're not really. So that means that the rates are lower, right? And that means they're making less money. And then all of a sudden, the other point, uh, to your point, uh, it's it's not easy to pay these people. So I think the other thing is is that a lot of the people who are uh, you know the the, uh, the marquee names to cover the games are probably just making way more money than they should be. Yeah, Combo and Giannis can't be in every commercial, Coach Nick. Cut him a break. Yeah, cut him. Right. Cut him. Yeah. But wait, but, but but it is true though. Like those, yeah, some of those commercials. I was, I was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should do a little uh, uh, focus on that. I probably still have all the games recorded, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, that's a very concerning thing because again, that this is that's their whole business is to be able to have the kind of ratings they can charge premiums for those ads. I mean, full transparency, I haven't looked at the ratings. Are they up? Are they down? How, how did they do this year? Um, I thought I saw a tweet at some point where the ratings were up. Um, but, okay. But 
they had been going down year over year until this year. So being up this year still was lower than 19, 2019, something like that. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think that they're great. I think that the problem is, is that people are getting streams from other places and, you know, they're watching uh, highlights on YouTube, uh, you know, so they don't need to watch the whole games. I don't know. Uh, I don't ever, I, hopefully that's not the case, but um, <laughs> that could be what it is. But, you know, and, and, and by the way, you wouldn't be messing around with an in-game uh, tournament or in-season tournament and all sorts of other things that they're doing if the ratings were great, right? Yeah. So, Coach Nick, I mean, you're a progressive thinker. Um and you're always ready to think outside the box. I would say the attention span, especially of younger NBA fans, is getting shorter and shorter, right? I mean, do you ha- do we have to do something to speed up the game? Like, I love the idea of one for two on the free throw line. The G League tried it. Uh, maybe shorter timeouts. Maybe um, I don't I, I don't know if you shorten the game, but I do think you have to make the game faster in some way. I agree. I feel like uh, I've talked to a couple of people who are young, you know, in their uh, under 20 who think who had said something like that notion of, you know what? Like, yeah, if these games were like an hour and a half, they would love it. I would watch all of it, whatever. But it's like there's so many breaks, so many stoppages. I mean, we have the, the under six timeout every quarter or whatever that is, really, you know, like there's these mandated TV timeouts that just slow everything down that FIBA doesn't have. So when you like when I watch a FIBA game. Um, I love them because again, they're really, they're, those are like maybe an hour and a half, right? They're they're, um, are they quarters now? Wait, they're not quarters. Are they halves or they're quarters? Yeah, they're quarters. I mean, there's a sense of urgency there because every game means so much too. So that's a totally other discussion. Uh, yeah. But like, but they don't have the timeouts like they do here for the TV stuff. And, uh, they're just a much better rhythm to it in a way that like, it's, I, I, I much prefer that. So that would probably be a way they have to do it, but they can't. They cannot do that because they need those commercial timeouts. So there's no way to make these games under under two hours. No way. The free throw thing would, you know, slice a few minutes. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hard. I don't know how else you do it. You're going to get rid of replay. Okay. That would slice a few minutes off. But I bet you it wouldn't be significant when you look at the number uh, overall. Those two things would probably take – you know, 10 minutes off and 10 minutes ain't going to do it. We got to get 30, 40, 50 minutes out of there. I don't see how you do it. And this is coming from a guy who's always trying to, you know, make my, my videos tighter and more condensed. It's like, well, cut that. I'm like, great. That's 10 seconds. I need a minute. How do I do that? Why can't they take a page out of your book in game commercials? Yeah. They, while the game's going on. (laughs) Absolutely. That would would actually, that's next level. We should probably get to the NBA and try and pitch that and then tell them that I need to do them because I'm already have the creative. They already have the experience, but uh, we have another super chat. Let's get to it. By the way, what, what an interesting Sunday conversation we've been having so far. Everyone seems to be digging it too. And KD, if you're listening, I I love you. You are definitely the top three or four in the, in the NBA of all time or whatever you are, not all time, but top 10 or whatever. Uh, I love you. So don't get mad at whatever we said about you. Um, Bron <clears throat> from, uh, from thank you, best friend of the, of the breakdown, Bron from Canada. Um, I was also told that I shouldn't call people hosers from Canada, but that's like a, you know, a term of affection, at least from the eighties. So nonetheless, um, so Bron, thank you so much. And he keeps coming back. So he must not be upset that I'm calling him a hoser. Um, and if you don't know what that is, look up great white North. Um, and that sketch from, um, from not, uh, oh my God, this is my brain. Anyway, that show that wasn't Saturday Night Live, but it was from Canada. Thoughts on some of the Euro guys coming to the NBA? Excited to see Vasily Micic. Also, uh, Russ was in OKC for 11 seasons, a lot longer than I thought. Okay, good point. And by the way, so when, when Russ started bouncing around, he was already, you know, he was beyond the, 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 the middle of the prime of his career, right? But he did, you know, still have some he of was. that prime. But it's time to see some of these Euro League guys who do really well 
come in here and start doing really well again. Now we've seen Doncic do that, and that's a that was a that was the beginning. Um, so that's the other argument you have. But these guys, these guys should be able to come in as long as they get a fair shake and they get an opportunity. We should see them all. You know, these guys do well. Yeah, I mean, European guards and bigs play with a unique cadence and skill set, and I think that throws American players off guard. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be like the three-point thing eventually where everybody catches up to it, but right now it's tougher for NBA defenses to figure these guys out, the way they play at their own space, the footwork, the change of pace. They don't have to be the fastest, but they know how to manipulate the game in so many different ways. And I noticed it right away when I went overseas. Like They were they were the first guys to me that I saw because I wasn't seeing it as much in America as doing the same leg layups. Like, I remember going over there like, oh, he just shot that off his wrong leg. And it seemed like really natural. And yeah. I wasn't really working on that at that point. And I saw it there. And I saw all kinds of weird stuff they were doing, like little trickery on defense and offense. And they'll bump into you and act like they flop. And then it's harder to guard them. It's like they just give you so many different looks. And they're very crafty. For sure. For sure. I mean, listen, you know, what we adopted in the NBA is, you know, getting up in the air in the lane and then firing it out for a three. You know, you never would have seen that 25 years ago. We, how dare you get the ball into the lane, then not shoot it. Right. You got to, you know, we got to put the ball in the basket close. Uh, and instead, now we see everybody. In fact, I train that all the time. I get my 10, 11 year old guys I've trained, you know, you know, look like they're shooting a lib and then fire into the corner for threes. Um, so there's lots of, you know, uh, sort of, yeah, what things that fly in the face of what we would have learned a long time ago that, that has now come over here. So that's the interesting question is how, um, strange will it be, you know, because everyone is sort of playing the similar games now. Um, and I watch a lot of the Euro league stuff now as I'm trying to get some more content out this summer. And, um, you, you still will see some interesting alignments where they start out in different ways. But, uh, you know, invariably, we're, we're now seeing a lot of the same kind of actions. And so as a result, to me, like, they'll be comfortable coming over here and getting into those. The game is wide open. It's very fast-paced. There's a lot of space. And uh, I would anticipate these guys, you know, all, you know, because they handle the ball so well now and they can still shoot it like they always could shoot it, um, that uh, we, we should, you know, this is now we're going to start seeing more and more of these guys. I mean, listen, the, the, the only MVP candidates we have now are, are international players, right, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I think Anthony Edwards is the guy that could challenge them. Um, right. SGA is from Canada, so he's another international guy. Um, yeah, you got Embiid, Jokic, Doncic, SGA. Giannis. So, yeah, Giannis. I mean, these are the yeah. guys who are going to compete for MVPs for years to come. So, yeah, I think Anthony Edwards could get in the mix, but besides him, it's mostly international guys. And, and, and it just makes sense. You're talking about, you know, 300 million people in the United States. And you're talking about like, you know, billions of people everywhere else. Like, of course, you're going to end up finding, you know, other players that could be dominant uh, from other places. So uh, we shall we shall see how that works out. But let's get to some more of the free agency stuff. because I feel like that's going to be the more important stuff that people want to talk about. Uh, all right. So I don't even know if we solved that whole thing. The heat is probably the best way to go. The package would have to center around hero. Right. And that, what I'm worried about is what do the heat really have then? Because you'd have um, you have uh, Jimmy, Dame, Bam. Uh, Duncan Robinson, and they signed uh, um, Bryant, Thomas Bryant. Um, but you know they lost Struce, they lost Gabe Vincent. So no, I mean, I mean, I, I think Bim, I think Bam and Jimmy are untouchables. But besides that, I mean, right, I can right, see right. anybody. So the hero, I mean, Josh, I, Josh Richardson signed with the Heat. That's a really good pickup. Yeah, it's not Dame, but okay. Um, he, yeah, and he but, definitely he he strikes me as a Heat guy. Yeah, I mean they need they have some work to do because they have to replace. I mean, Richardson doesn't doesn't really replace Gabe Vincent and doesn't replace uh, Struess. So, but he's a he's actually a great he's actually a great fit next to Dame. 
and those guys, you know? Yeah, okay. I guess you have a higher opinion of him than I do. I think he's he's fine. He's not like it's not going to change things, right? Three and three, three and D. I like okay. it. Okay, all right. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. He, he doesn't move the needle for me. Um, you don't. You, you, you don't. You don't think Max Struess moved the needle either, right? You weren't a big Max Struess guy. Uh, I, I no. I mean, well, you were the Max Struess guy. I was sort of going along for the ride, and I think that obviously he did. <laughs> He um, he did give them a lot. He really was valuable, and, and there was a specific fit. The question now is, okay, let's find out what happens, you know, now with him and, and how that works out. But um, that that'll be an interesting test. In, in the same way, like you know, if Draymond Green ever went somewhere else, like I would like to see how that works out. Obviously, defensively, no change. But um, you know, offensively, it would be interesting to see, you know, if he had if he can average eight assists a game, you know, anywhere else. Um, but uh, I was just looking something up, and I forgot what I was going to do. Anyway. Uh, we have another super chat. Uh, let's get to that real quick, and then we'll 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 put the pin on that. What's up with the Lakers next? I want to talk about them because they've done a lot of moves. Let me scroll here to Alan Tran. Thank you so much, Alan. I really really appreciate it. Uh, I think that uh, Portland would have taken Pool, Kaminga, Moody, Baldwin, and three picks for Dame. Obviously, it's, it's too late since the CP3 trade happened. That was one of my texts, by the way, to a buddy of mine uh, a couple of days ago. Was yes, if they could have put together a package that, and replaced instead of CP3, they could have gotten Dame. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if Portland does that, but that I would say that, you know, Kaminga, Moody and Baldwin are the guys, you know, that the Portland would want to probably start to build around if that's what they were looking for. Because I, I don't they're not going to reload. Right. They're not going to just replace Dame with a, whatever uh, it was a trade and then, you know, get back to the conference finals unexpectedly like they had been with him. So if the next level would be, yes, get some guys who have a lot of experience already. Kaminga and Moody certainly have a lot. Baldwin, I, I think, could be good. Um, you know, he's got a, he's got uh, promise, but we haven't seen hardly anything from him. And then pool is pool pool will give you something. So that would have probably been a much better deal. I'm assuming that the numbers work out better for him three and the three picks. Like, I guess because of the Rudy trade that, you know, Dame would have to get a certain amount of first round picks. I don't know if three are them, but yeah, that would have been a much better, uh, I think deal for the warriors. Comment section. Let me know. Who do you feel will lead the team in scoring pool or Kuzma or somebody else? That's what I want to see. Because that's going to be interesting for the Wizards. Pool's going to go off, I think. Pool might average like twenty-seven. Uh, efficiently, I don't know. I don't okay. Know. Yeah, he's going mean, to he's going to he's going to get shot. I mean, it's an NBA skill just to be able to get shots up in tough situations, right. and he could do that. I, I just hope he can figure out how to play under the, under control again and get speed get his speed controlled. Uh, he was out of control. He was just off balance so much uh, until the end, and then he just became a zombie. Whereas he didn't know what to do. It was tough. Uh, and so it, it's a, it, it's a, there's a two part, the fork in the road is in front of him, you know, and he's got to choose one of those paths and hopefully it's the right one, which reminds me of my favorite, you know, that thing where there's, there's a guy in the road and he, one guy always lies and one guy's always tell the truth and you have to ask a question, you know, that okay. riddle, you know, it's a good one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and I, I'm already like, <laughs> there's, there's the answer is, uh, is, is, uh, anyway, someone will probably tell the comments. Nonetheless, it's a great logic puzzle nonetheless but uh but okay let's get into the lakers a little bit here because um you don't know that that you don't know that 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 uh whatever that is the riddle we gotta do a you riddle pod the the road. A one one is certain death the other way is like a, you know millions of dollars and there are two guys standing there one always tell the truth one always lies and you have one question to ask how do you figure what, what's the question you ask to get you to the gold you don't know that one? Oh my god no, what, what, what is what is it tell me uh, I think the question you answer you ask is what would that guy say, and then when the person points, you go the other direction. 
Okay. But we don't have time to go into exactly why that is. But you can figure that out on your own. All right. That'll be it for next week. Let's talk about the Lakers, though. Let me get this all set up here because they did, I think, think the most moves so far as far as signings. Uh, They were able to uh, re-sign Austin Reeves. Somebody faked a tweet out there that I swear I saw in the midst of Elon Musk trying to destroy the damn website. Uh, I, I swear I saw somebody saying that the, the Spurs had offered him like $100 million for four years. But I guess that was not the case because the Lakers were able to agree with him for uh, uh, $56 million for four, which is a far cry yeah. from that. I mean, that's a great deal for him. I think he's, you know, for a starter, that's a really great deal. They also re-signed Rui for three years, $51 million. The, the only problem I have is with D'Angelo Russell. I don't know if I love that signing. Now, he's not that expensive, $37 million for two years and a shorter contract. But um, I don't know. I, I, obviously, toward the end, we weren't really ecstatic with his shot selection and the defensive stuff was not there. Um, but I love the signing of Gabe Vincent. I think that's a really nice thing for them. They got him for 11 per, which is a nice, you know, he's, you know, he proved he could be a starter for a finals team, you know, and you're now paying yeah. the guy 11 million bucks. That's a great deal. And I think he'll do really well alongside um, alongside LeBron. They also signed Cam Reddish out of the blue for for almost you know two years four four and a half million. Um, that's it's cheap as hell, and we don't know what Cam can do. I was high on him is after his rookie year, uh, and then Jackson Hayes love this signing. And again, two years four million dollars four and a half million bucks. Not a lot of money. Uh, a guy that can fill that Javale McGee role they had when they won the title. Uh, but I think he's got more skill than Javale McGee. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great because with guys like Rui and Austin Reeves, you have something to look at in the future when LeBron leaves, but he also they also help LeBron right now. So, yeah, I think Palinka has been doing a great job ever since the trade deadline last year. You know, the team just got tremendously better since then. And that's and, we have, yeah. and also we haven't we haven't got to see them build real real chemistry. I mean, they only had half a season before the playoffs, so, you know, that that is true, and, and you know how much slander um, uh, the front office was getting for the Lakers uh, yeah. for, for their moves. And you know, I think the biggest issue they ended up having was you know, when they signed Russ. I, you know, if all the reports seem to indicate that that was a, a LeBron move. LeBron made them do that. They would not have done that if they had their own decision and left to their own devices. Yes, they've done a lot of terrific stuff so far. So I think that this is going really well for them as as well as anybody could. They got great values. Uh, a lot, an influx of talent. Um, if they can keep these guys healthy and and manage their minutes better, let me let me just check here. Uh, I feel like LeBron played too many minutes last year. Am I crazy here? Um, let me see here, because um, I feel like he played thirty five a game. LeBron played um, thirty. Oh, look at that, thirty five and a half a game. He's got to be down to 32. You know what I mean? They need to shave that down more. Anthony Davis played 34 a game, and they each played 54 games. So they need him to play 32 minutes a game both, but they need him to play 70 games, you know, so they get a better, a, a good record, and uh, and they're still fresh. So this could help. You know, a lot of young talent, a lot of guys that can play, um, a lot of guys that can, you know, uh, give them solid minutes when they're off. So I, I think this has been a great round. And by the way, Torian Prince, we didn't mention him, also got signed for very little money. Uh, a one-year deal, four and a half million bucks. And um, again, another guy who's like, a, a, he blends in well. He can play defense. Win- he can shoot a little winning bit. Player. Winning player. Win- yeah, winning player. With the Nets, he was a winning player. Loved him then. Loved him ever since. And he's a guy that could really help them. I mean, he's great as like a seventh, eighth guy, right? I think so. Yeah, and he, he's not going to be, right? He's going to be ninth, 10th, I think, at the point where the way this is going. I got to look at it better. But yeah, 
So I think that the only thing is D'Lo. Now, you know, who knows? Maybe with D'Lo, he plays sort of well, and then maybe they can make a deal after the season starts after a month or two before the trade deadline um, and just shore up whatever else they're looking that they need to do. So that, that might be their thinking uh, on that one. But, but And I won't deny that D'Lo did nicely for them uh, in, in stretches of the playoffs. You don't want to rely on him in the playoffs, totally, but I think he's a good basketball player that could help you win, gets his shot off when he wants, good in pick and roll. I mean, he's a yeah. tough player just with the shot selection. That was lackluster at times, but I think he'll have a good season in the regular season for sure. And he could help you win playoff games at times. Just, you don't want to have to rely on him. And there's Trey. Trey has the same idea I did about D'Lo being a trade uh, later uh, part of that. And that could be what they're trying to do. And I, and I guess, by the way, if he doesn't, if it's not working out well, he's not playing well, then he just goes to the bench, not being paid, you know, enough, but you know, I mean, clearly he's a good fit, the archetype of player he is. And you would have to say he's an above-average NBA player, right? I don't think there's any denying that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. You know, the, the, the irony of my favorite part of last year doing the, the free throw analysis for the Lakers and why they were getting so many more. And obviously part of it was that they weren't following teams, but the other part was that they don't follow. And, you know, when you look at like D'Lo, he's not like a really great defender, but what part of that means he's not going to follow anybody. <laughs> I just love that notion of like, you know what, sometimes that's actually good, uh, even though you might not be a great defender, you might not make a lot of plays at all on that, on that end. But if you're, you know, you kind of are, you know, wandering around out there, you don't follow people. And that's, that is a good, a positive thing that people might have overlooked. Uh, let's see, D'Lo in the regular season is kind of curious. Yeah, yeah, he averaged 17 a game and he shot, you know, 41% from three on high volume. So he, and, you know, didn't, let's see, and he got six assists. So he really did, yeah, put in the, a year there and they're, they're clearing the way for Schroeder. Uh, they got, they let him go. Uh, and that's interesting, right? Because you had a choice between Schroeder or um, D'Lo. Schroeder was the guy that continued to get minutes deep into the playoffs, not D'Lo, right? D'Lo seemed to be the guy who's the odd man out, but yet they kept him. What does that tell you? That they didn't like Shooter in the locker room, probably. <laughs> That's what it tells me. Yeah. I mean, they we saw like, stuff yeah. in the, on, the, on the court. And we see stuff from, from, from Shooter on the court all the time about him. Just, just huge reactions. It's interesting how we always talk about body language and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you would think that when you get to the NBA and you're five, six years in, like, that's not – you can do whatever you do and express yourself. But I don't know, man. It, it, it seemed to me that there were – uh, real insights into when you see him blow up. And a couple of times I'd see him blow up and I knew he screwed the play up and he was mad at his teammate for it. Uh, that doesn't go well if you're not like the uh, the top 10 or 20 in the league, I suppose is the point. And uh, and that must have been it. They must have realized that this is this is too much of a, of, a, of anger or, or, or finger pointing from somebody in the locker room. They needed to, they needed to move on. The Sixers is another team with bad body language in general. From their yeah. two best players. I mean, Tobias, you know, seems like a great teammate, but he doesn't seem satisfied in his role when you just look at his body language and what I've heard, things coming out of his camp as well. Um, P.J. Tucker was yelling at everybody. I mean, it wasn't good vibes there. You could just Yeah, well, I mean, it also comes from the top down. That happens with the coach. Yeah. And the coach's body language is really bad, too. Um, and they got rid of that coach. Now, is Nick Nurse's body language better? Um, like, probably, but he definitely will, you know, get all yeah. Uh, reps and stuff too and that was always my big issue with doc is that his energy of upsetness uh, over stuff and it gets so easily bothered would then permeate down to the rest of the team so you have to be careful with that especially with certain mindsets certain you know uh players and certain personalities can get affected more by that than others so um that is a thing uh that they have to be careful about and, and I'll, i'm anxious to see how that happens now philly without harden they, they need to bring somebody in i mean i know they want to give maxi the keys and let him be the harden role 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how well that's going to work. It could, but they need to replace Harden with somebody that's going to produce a lot of numbers, right? What's that going to be? As, as much as I was talking about the body language and all that, you know, I don't think this is great for the Sixers because you're going to have to reconstruct chemistry. And that's it's chemistry is unmicrowavable. And yeah, Harden, you might say you can't rely on him in the playoffs, but at least they had a year together. You know, yeah. at least they played basketball together. Even if you bring in another great player, we see that the best teams in the league develop chemistry over time to win games, you know? Yeah. Well, let's explore this for a second because I'm doing the video on Harden and why and whether he you know needs to be traded or not. And, um, you know, obviously they, they, they people will point to game six and game seven where he didn't really show up, quote unquote, uh, didn't take a lot of shots, didn't score a lot of points, uh, you know, when they, when they needed him to. Um, I dug through this because this is going to be the, the crux of the video, because, again, when he wants max money, right, that's sort of what this is about. Um, and he wants to find a place to give him max money. It's probably his last max money contract. Well, to, there are certain things if you get that money at that level that you have to be able to bring to the table. Right. Because you can find a guy um, who can run the offense, who can make the right pass when you need to. Like, that's not so hard. Um, and that's because he does that a lot. Uh, what you want him for. And I was asking this thing in text in the text messages was was, OK, a guy like that is for isolations. You know, he's got to be really good at isolations and he's got to be really good in, in, the, in the crunch time. Right. Like, in theory, that's what you're going to pay the, the top 10, 15 guys in the league for. Um, and that's the other is interesting issue. Now, as far as game six and game seven, when you break down every play he had on offense to figure out why he didn't take a lot of shots, they were just loading up on him. They had a guy waiting for him on the block every time they tried to run a pick and roll that side. So he kept making the right pass, which was a skip, a beautiful skips to the corner for bricks, you know, maybe even the strong side of the corner for uh, for wide open threes there, brick. You know, guys who turn the ball over like it, it wasn't it, I could see why he gets so disgusted by playing there and then want to get the hell out of there. Uh, or he doesn't take shots because they throw it into Embiid and they just stand around and watch him isolate, isolate for turnovers and bad shots for those two last two games. So, you know, that that was a thing. Now, we know Embiid was hurt and that was a big thing, too. We can't ignore um, but if it's the last thing that Harden has in his brain, it's like, man, I can't get through here. The offense doesn't move. I can't get any space, like whatever. And now I'm watching Embiid turn the ball over and miss like, these easy shots or whatever. Like, get me out of here. You know, he, maybe in my way, that's the other thing about Harden. I think the, the recency bias is really affected, affected for him, right? It's the last few games that he will remember the most and be like, get me out of here versus the, the whole season long where they actually did well and had a good offense. How much does character matter in your best player, right? I mean, like we see the Toronto Raptors, they obviously prioritize getting Fred Van Vliet over James Harden, and a lot of that had to do with character because they don't want those young players maybe following in the lifestyle choices that James Harden does. And then also, I thought, I thought, you know, I thought the Rockets did great in free agency. I mean, you signed, it's a lot of money, but it's three years, and it'll all be in his prime. For Fred Van Vliet. It's not like he's going to be, um, you know, old by the time he's done with his contract. Right. So I thought that's great. And then Dylan Brooks is a really good basketball player. I, I don't know if it's like a Twitter joke. If he'll like when they ask, will he be in the NBA? Like, that's absolutely crazy. Really good basketball player that could help a winning team. So I thought that was a great pickup as well and bring some toughness to that young team. Well, you know, they snuck one in a couple in there that I, that I, I think I might have missed. Is Jeff Green and Jack, Jock Landale. 
These are two forwards. Now, Landale I, was a great when I saw him overseas. Like, he really, I thought, was gonna, could be an impact player and then really struggled, but now all of a sudden kind of came alive in Phoenix and, and really was a contributor. It was great to see. And he's definitely one of those adults in the room along with – so like Dylan Brooks is the one thing I, I'm, I'm a little bit – I made me scratch my head about. I, I wasn't really sure what that's about, uh, if, if what they're trying to do is Fred Van Vliet and like Jeff Green, those kind of guys. Um, but they got him for – you know, they signed him for $80 million for four years, which is, you know, the, I would say the maximum of his value. Uh, so we'll see. So we'll see. Maybe Brooks deserves another just to change the scenery. They need that toughness. They don't have another guy like that on that roster. I okay. think they need that, yeah. I mean, I mean, these are like these are like young, very talented players. There's not a lot of like tough, scrappy players on this team, and they need that. And I want to see them play Point Shangoon because I think Fred Van Vliet can play off the ball. Maybe they could do some Jokic Murray stuff. Oh, now that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, listen, we this is their chance. And by the way, they can also. I mean, these are the guys who should mentor and and bring some stability to the locker room. Uh, it's got to be tough. Uh, how that played out the last couple of years. And then it also probably puts a couple of these guys on notice saying like, if you don't want to shape up and, and behave like an adult, then we're just going to ride, you know, Landale and green and those guys, and you'll sit in the bench or we'll trade you and you'll be gone. So that could have the other, that kind of effect as well. So I, I'm anxious to see uh, how that plays out for sure. And it's good. It's good to see some of these teams like Detroit and Houston really sort of focus on the, taking the next step. Ime Adoka in Houston is another one of those things who's going to, you know, I'm anxious to see how that's going to play out. It didn't work out great, remember, uh, in Boston in the beginning. He came in there and, you know, told it like it was, and I think people were bristled at that, some of the players. But uh, about halfway through, you know, it, it finally clicked, and then their whole offense changed, and they drove it all the way to the finals. Uh, it was not they, – and they, they, he was severely missed, and I suspect that part of the issues that the, the, Rock, uh, that the Celtics ended up having were related to the fact that they didn't have Udoka there uh, as well, as we saw that there were issues with the coaching staff. Um, that had been decimated anyway with other uh, guys that uh, that Missoula couldn't rely on who got hired away. So, uh, yeah, I like that. By the way, we didn't talk about Detroit, and I feel like Detroit's done some good stuff too, although do we have time to do that real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I, would also, I would also say about Fred Van Vliet, like he needs a movie made about him, man. That guy is not six foot tall, undrafted. To get that kind of contract in the NBA, I mean, yeah. you have to the defy way, some. Uh, you have to, Fred Van Vliet? Yeah, you have to defy some pretty crazy odds. Yeah, especially when you shoot a basketball from three-point line and it has sideways spin on it. Like, that's really amazing to me. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Wait, Detroit signed somebody, and I don't see it because it's not uh, – uh, Do they was a trade. What was what did I miss? I, my, again, my brain is so much right now. I wasn't ready to talk about Detroit, but we might as well can throw it out there. Um, let's see if it comes up real quick. Um, oh, Joe Harris. That was what I liked. There's another thing, though, that they did, um, right? Isn't there – let's see here. Because remember, I liked the wise getting Wiseman earlier, and then um, oh, it's, they don't list it here. God damn it! Uh, it's Joe Harris. I feel like there's another trade. Didn't they do another trade or not? Maybe that's not. Maybe that was it. But I like that what they're doing there to bring a guy a sharpshooter in alongside their young guys. Um, they're clearly trying now, right? They're clearly trying to. This is it. They're going to go all in. Uh, Orlando did some things too. Uh, so, so the point being that these you know these young teams now are are they're they're getting out of the business of like wilding around and you know for high draft picks and they want to start winning. This is now again another reason why we'll probably start to see a more parity where the top team will win fifty games, fifty two games maybe, uh, and still be good enough to win the title. Now I do know that like the Nuggets uh, toward the, the last like several weeks of the season 
took it easy, right, and, and rested their guys a lot, and they didn't gun for a lot more wins. They didn't need them, um, but uh, that affected their win total. They probably would have gotten 55, 56. They would have gotten some into that realm. But again, uh, I still think that at some point we're going to realize that they, you can't afford that. Like you're just going to end up, you know, scrapping by to get those 50 some wins uh, to get the top of the conference. Yeah. I mean, what worked for Denver didn't work for Milwaukee because they didn't go full force in that last stretch of the regular season. It's almost like they were out of shape by the time they wow. played the heat. So um, it doesn't work for everybody. I'll tell you that it's hard to, you know, turn a flip a switch whenever you want. For sure. Well, and by the way, we didn't even talk about Dallas, who, you know, they're in this weird crossroads here where they have to worry about Luca wanting to get out of there. He might be the next trade request. Uh, they signed, uh, they brought back Powell, which is a big man for me. I feel like he, um, he's just a stopgap measure that they, they need better. You know, Kleba ends up being better for them ultimately because of the shooting. They brought Seth Curry back. So Derek Lively too. Derek Lively could be a good fit as a rookie. You know, the fit is right. The fit, the fit is right for sure. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, but like yeah. you know, the, the the Seth Curry going away was was the mistake that they made. They were building something with him in the first place, and again, yeah. these guys will look at this thinking, "Oh, he's a short guard, isn't that whatever?" And then you realize that the guy is a playmaker. He's an elite shooter. He's a guy that you want on your team. High so, IQ, high yeah, IQ, high IQ. Yeah. So he's back. Yeah. That's good to see. Uh, and they and they're going to resign Kyrie, but then they're also signing Dante Exum, who's making a return to the NBA as a shooter. Um, have you seen his shot? Have you, have you, you know, I, I'm kind of mad. I was going to do a video on this. I had noticed this like six months ago going through some EuroLeague footage. I was like, wait a minute. Exxon is shooting 40% from three. And I went through the footage. Now, have you seen the shot at all? Mm -mm. It's, it's the form more. is still sort of like it used to be. It's not the best rhythm. Um, but he shoots them off the dribble a lot more now. When I remember looking through this several months ago, I got to go through some more. Uh, and certainly someone had released a little uh, montage of him on the catch and shoot stuff, but he seemed like, you know, he, the rhythm, it's just not a ugly, it's not a pretty looking shot, but um, he's figured some things out on the release to be able to get it off. And this is the next frontier, right? Can he continue to do that with uh, the NBA ball, which is different, right? You, can you want to comment on the difference between the NBA ball and the early? Well, I mean, they keep changing the basketballs. I remember like in Israel it was Nike. And then in Denmark, it was the feeble one with the, you know, mm -hmm. with the – yeah, Mullen, exactly, with all the panels. I really like that one. That one was small, and I think they do use that one in EuroLeague. It's, like, really grippy, and it's easy yeah. to shoot with. It It feels smaller. I don't know if it is, but it it's feels smaller. It's not smaller, but the panel shape is different, and I think the groove is deeper. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, and it reminds me of when I was growing up, uh, the NBA ball had a deeper groove, too. Because I, I had – unless I'm making this up, I remember being, like, a sophomore in high school and someone brought one out. And I could just about palm it. And I wasn't even the height I am now. I can I grew far, you know in junior and senior year of high school. So if I could have palmed that with my hand size as a sophomore, then it had to be the grooves were deeper because I can't do that now. There, you know, really. Um, and these, you know, so I don't know why they went away from that. Maybe they, they thought it was it's too easy to grip with the guys in the NBA. I don't know. But um, you know, obviously there's been we should probably even do a video on that. Like there's been controversy about the changing the balls and how it affected things, and it took them a while to, to get used to it. I do think that they're a lot harder than now than they've ever been. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, remember they tried to change the ball for a little bit, and people weren't feeling it, and they went back in the middle of the season. That was kind of crazy. Yeah. No, they didn't in go the, back. In the NBA, what? they went back. They changed I, the ball about six years ago, maybe oh, seven years oh, ago. Oh, oh. Okay, because they changed it this year or whatever. This, this, this well, they, no, no, so here was the thing. They changed the company. But the ball right. wasn't supposed to change, even though it probably did anyway, right? You can't oh. make it exact. You can't make an exact same basketball if you switch companies. 
Right. But I think the idea was to have a similar basketball. Yeah, they, they, they definitely seem like a lot harder. Um, I was at a thing. Actually, it was in 2019 now. It was a little while ago where we were doing some work with some uh, prospects. And uh, it was – they were like, you got hit by this ball on a rebound. You, you, it was going to hurt you. Like, you could really wow. break a nose or something. So, uh, they were a lot harder in my mind than they used to be as well, which would then, you know, mean not the rolls wouldn't be as kind and stuff like that. So, uh, hopefully they kind of get that figured out. But, yeah, the Molten Ball – I actually – Molten sponsored a couple of uh, videos a while back, and I think I, they sent me a ball, and I loved it. It was great. So there's no They got to sponsor this live show so we could get some Molten Balls. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let me go through my emails and see if they're still uh, – those guys are around because that was uh, – there's no question they should want to get into this market, uh, you know, and uh, and people people would love them if they play without question. Um, but at any rate, I think um, – anything else we need to talk about before we uh, sign off here? I think we're good this was a fun conversation yeah it went a lot of places that we didn't know i guess that's what happens on a sunday but uh you have any good plans for the uh july 4th no but summer league the 7th yeah all right and you know what i'm I, you're gonna be there when the 10th god willing the 7th oh you're going wait i thought it starts on the 7th yeah i go the first day oh, i thought you were going like the like the the, the oh, you're going right for the beginning okay all right. Well, we'll see. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know. I feel like, by the way, that's already what a week from today. No, less. It's a Friday, right? Yeah, it's it's probably less at this Friday. Point, yeah. Um. Yikes. All right. Well, anyway, we'll see. We'll figure that out. But um, anyway, I'm going to go see an LA Galaxy game. Nice. And uh, there's some fireworks at the end. So that's that's my thing. I'm not a big fireworks guy. Are you? Not a big fireworks guy. Yeah, Not you know enough. why? And I, I, saw, I talked to my friends about this yesterday. I associate fireworks with the absolute worst traffic of all time. That's how I because and, and yeah and, and parking worst parking and yeah. parking. Yeah, well, for me, it's more just, just stuck because like either on the way there, or on the way back, uh, you know, literally just like hours of having to be stuck in in traffic where it's not moving. Uh, and so I think I have this, I don't like, you know, <laughs> wanting to get, get there and do it, but, uh, we have our last super chat from module cell for, oh my goodness, such a generous thing. Thank, thank you. you so much for, uh, for, for commenting. Always a good show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. It really helps us keep the show going. Um, and we're, we're, I'm excited to be here with you and, and always to hang out with you, uh, combo. Um, and I have a feeling there's gonna be a lot more to talk about, right? There's gonna be more signings. Uh, there's gonna be more trades. Uh, things are going to happen. Don't forget, you know, in this time when you commit, it's not it's not binding. Like, remember when uh, DeAndre uh, Jordan had committed to Dallas, and then they they locked him in his house for six hours and convinced him to stay at the Clippers. Yeah, you know that was the same yeah. idea. He had committed, he had whatever, and then you know in this in this time now, so you have to imagine that all these other guys are now making sure that they've locked the players they so they've committed in their houses or without any teammates being able to show up and commit them otherwise. Um, so, so we'll see if anything like that happens and then trades go on and then we have to talk about summer league and for, you know, uh, anything else that happens throughout the whole summer, lots of things to talk about. So, uh, can't wait to, to uh, hit you up again, probably next week. Uh, combo. Thanks for being here. Thanks everybody else for this. Uh, the super chats were amazing and, uh, please don't go anywhere. We'll be back again, you know, ASAP probably next week at the very earliest, uh, hopefully together maybe. And, uh, my videos are coming out. So don't, don't, uh, keep that subscribing button smashed and we will talk to you guys all very, very soon. And don't forget sports fans. At B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo? Thank you for tuning in to Combo's Court. Appreciate everyone that tunes in across the globe. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the B-Ball Breakdown. YouTube, live shows, appreciate you all. Share this episode, share with a friend. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories. You can tag me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's Owen. 
T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. And be on the lookout for episode 489. Combo out.